thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. In today's episode of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Dr. Stephen Lim. Stephen is a dentist, TEDx speaker, and author of The Dental Diet. With a background in biomedical science, he has dedicated his career to outline the nutritional basis of dental disease. In today's episode, you will learn how the modern diet causes all of the dental problems we see today, why so many children need braces, the problems with mouth breathing, why the mouth is the perfect diagnostic tool for digestive problems, the significance of our fat-soluble vitamins, and so much more. I guarantee you will have so many light bulb moments in today's show, and it's definitely one to share with your loved ones and spread this knowledge far and wide. Let's welcome Stephen to the show. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Really excited to explore this topic with you further today. But firstly, I'd love you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us more about what you've done from a career point of view and where that's landed you today. Yeah, it's a little bit of a winding road. But um, so uh, my name is Dr. Stephen Lynn and I'm from uh, Sydney, Australia. But I trained as a dentist up in Sydney. Uh, but my focus has kind of been in nutrition the last, uh, my, my, you know, a good portion of my career now. And kind of the way I got into that is I've got a background in biomedical science and sports nutrition. So similar to, to uh, some of your work. Um, but I found that dentistry kind of took me away from, uh, you know, a very kind of lifestyle and, you know, uh, environmental way of thinking about how, uh, you know, to optimize health and performance. Um, you know, I kind of went out there and practiced and found that, uh, you know, a lot of the skills that I developed was great at fixing problems, but it didn't uh, address, you know, why they were happening. And, you know, there were a lot of actually uh, conditions that no one was even asking why they were happening. So, I mean, you know, tooth decay, we obviously kind of think about sugar, but, you know, gum disease is a little bit less kind of, um, you know, defined. But then kids that grow jaws, so, you know, that need... Um, braces so there was no answer as to why that was happening and I was seeing this a lot I was seeing a lot of sick mouths uh, and it kind of you know brought up a lot of questions in my mind and I started to think you know I, I, I really didn't like my day-to-day work because I was just fixing problems and I, I felt that I wasn't really getting anywhere with it so I took some time off and I actually um, went backpacking through Europe and I uh, was in a hostel in Turkey and I discovered a book by a dentist named Weston A. Price and he talked about uh, a worldwide trip he did in the 1930s uh, that actually showed that the modern diet causes all of the dental diseases that we see today. And I like picked it up and I, I was like, what is this? And I kind of like, you know, I, I pretty much disregarded it because I thought, well, you know, obviously I've gone through seven years of studying, you know, I haven't 
heard all this stuff before and you have all these black and white photos. But I actually put the book in my backpack and I came back to it years later and I realized I didn't understand it. And so that was kind of my foot in to kind of really looking at the nutritional basis of dental disease and that every disease that we see in the mouth is actually caused by the food we eat, everything in terms of why kids need braces today, wisdom teeth impactions, gum disease, tooth decay, beyond sugar. So the factors that our teeth and bones are missing is all part of um, you know, how diet shapes the mouth and the rest of the body too. So from there, it was, it was kind of a step-by-step you know, you know, learning about all these different fields of medicine. That was really my um, kind of uh, bridge into writing the dental diet and, and, you know, really kind of, you know, teaching practitioners dental nutrition and uh, building dietary programs that are based on oral health. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, you say it obviously so almost matter-of-factly, and that's obviously because you live and breathe this, but I feel like a lot of people um, are going to be quite surprised by statements like every dental disease we see is caused by the food that we eat. And, you know, I can appreciate that, and I've been following your work for some time, Um, but, you know, you might like to use an example and, and I'd love you to use braces as one of them to, to explain that a little bit more for context as well as for education. Sure. So that's a great question. I love context. <laughs> so kind of, um, kind of my, you know, shifting, you know, and opening my kind of perspective into all this was to reframe the context. And the context of our mouth and jaws is exactly in the, you know, for the majority of what we know about our 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 ancestors and, you know, the, the time that hu- the human race has spent on earth is found in the archaeological records of jaws and teeth. And so what those records show, so if you ask any anthropologist or you read any anthropological studies on, um, on dental diseases or, uh, you know, human uh, dietary patterns and evolutionary biology of um, jaw growth, it shows that dental disease doesn't happen for the vast majority of the two million years we've walked the earth. And so this includes uh, crooked teeth. And so today when we see a child that doesn't um, fit 32 teeth, and this is every kid on the, in the, that I see today, they don't grow jaws that fit their teeth, that hasn't happened for the majority of the humans have walked the earth. And, and you just have to take one look at the archaeological record just to see that. Wisdom teeth grew uh, with space behind them and you know, we have these big wide jaws with no tooth decay. And, it's if you ask any anthropologist about dental disease, they'll laugh at you. It just doesn't happen. There's books written about this. This was kind of my step into uh, you know what Weston Price was talking about is that when you look at what our ancestors' teeth were like, they just didn't have decay. And you think about any biological uh, system, any, any um, you know uh, animals or, or any kind of species, do they ever get impacted with some teeth and need braces? No, they don't. It's, we are the only ones and we've had this strange amnesia built into us that we are designed to get dental disease and it's just not the case. Yeah, I love that. And it's a really great, I guess, evolutionary perspective, which is what we try and do when we talk about food, obviously, when, you know, I'm sure there are questions that you get asked by your patients and your audience. And, you know, I get lots of different questions about food or is A better than B and, you know, it's really important to go back and, and look at 
what humans were like before things became so westernized and the problems obviously became exponential. Absolutely. And, you know, this is really kind of, um, you know, what the book showed is that, you know, what Price looked at in the 30s was that he was seeing the interface between when the modern diet was kind of uh, intercepting, you know, when people had lived on traditional means for thousands of years. Mm. And so he saw in the one generation, you know, what would happen in those people. And he looked at the people that still ate the traditional diet and then he saw the modern diet and he saw that the direct degeneration in one, uh, one generation of kids, uh, they would get those crooked teeth, they would get tooth decay straight up to the modern um, rates that we see them. So we just think things are normal and you've got to remember too is that this is all before all the other chronic diseases we see today, you know, type 2, type two diabetes, obesity, um, behavioural issues and, and mental disorders now. And we've also unwittingly walked into a, into a breathing epidemic. So we, we, in, uh, we now have a huge percent of the population that have sleep disorders. And the core reason is that our jaws haven't grown. So people that have crooked teeth, by definition, have, have smaller cramped airways. And it is basically means that we can't breathe and uh, manage our airways at night. And so that's what, by definition, sleep apnea is. And there's a vast population of people that have grades of sleep apnea uh, that aren't even diagnosed. Yeah, and that's amazing if we think about, I mean, obviously the, the importance of breathing is, yes, very obvious. But, you know, immediately my, my thought goes to that athlete space that you and I were briefly chatting about off air. I mean. If you're thinking about an athlete that's maybe underperforming or, you know, not progressing as expected and you look in their mouth and you see these cramped teeth, that can be a really interesting avenue that I bet has been not touched in terms of a potential root cause. Absolutely. So exactly. So when we have those cramps, you know, kind of high palates, high skinny palates, you know, we've got these nasal air, it's very difficult So what these... Uh, craniofacial structures have and so people with long faces they have very um, low volume airways and so they struggle to breathe through their nose and so what by definition that does is it reduces your oxygen distribution capabilities because in the nasal sinuses we release nitric oxide and so if you don't breathe through the nose or if you can't breathe when you're exercising so if you think about when you're training if you can't tolerate uh, keeping your lips closed and breathing through your nose you're delivering uh, less oxygen to your body by going to mouth breathing. Mouth breathing is survival. So there are, you know, they talk about the Indian army and like many traditional populations where the, the, uh, they would train the athletes and, and soldiers where they would seal uh, their mouth. So they would go for, you know, 10-mile jogs with their, their mouth taped or sealed or they would just be trained to never breathe through their mouth. And, you know, it's because it delivers more oxygen. So retraining someone's breathing, you can actually see the signs in their teeth that they are, you know, potentially a mouth breather. Yeah, that's amazing. So powerful to, again, come back to your first point about why you changed your career. Like, obviously, you're in um, a practice and you're just treating the same problem, same problem, same problem with, you know, without looking at that root cause. And so now, obviously, and similar to what, you know, our work looks like here is yet you obviously want to identify what is that underlying cause because that's how you can correct the problem. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, exactly as you say, so if, you know, your philosophy is really moving towards, you know, this functional approach where we don't just, you know, mask over the symptoms, we actually get in there, understand what the, what the root cause is, address it, reverse it, and then you see the, um, you know, the real, uh, you know, health outcomes. And, and, you know, that's how we, that's how we fix, you know, our lifelong um, kind of um, how we get the benefits out of instead of going down these roads to disease where we're just trying to mask and you know, put band-aids over symptoms. Mm, absolutely. So I'd love to talk to you more about the braces example. You mentioned we're seeing, you know, this epidemic of children with jaws that don't fit their teeth. Like what are some of the mechanisms um, underlying that? Yeah, so by definition, so when we need, so a kid that needs braces at 10 to 12, uh, their jaws haven't grown enough. So teeth will move into the space that the upper, the maxilla and the mandible uh, grow into. And so what's happening is that our, both our upper and lower jaws aren't expanding enough. So we get this long kind of face. We call them adenoid faces. That's what ENTs have called them for about 100 years. And uh, what happens is it's long and skinny. And then the, the dental arch is cramped and kind of the teeth are crooked. So you'll see kids kind of like their canines um, poking out because they don't fit and, you know, just you know, a mishmash of teeth. But the teeth are just the symptom. The teeth are fitting in with what space they're given. The core problem is the jaws aren't growing. And so what uh, we now know is that there's actually a functional orthodontic uh, model where we can intervene in a child's growth pattern. So if we get a kid to breathe the right way with their tongue to the palate and with their lips closed for the majority of the time, so if they sleep like that, if they're comfortable breathing through the nose, uh, you know, mostly through the day, their jaws will actually grow naturally because the forces. So when you breathe through the nose, you actually uh, exhibit a an expansion force on the maxilla, and that the same goes for the tongue pushing up to the palate. So that's and that continues right throughout life. So we can actually even influence this a small amount into adulthood. And athletes should really think about this because when your tongue's up to that roof of the palate it will stabilize your cervical spine because the tongue, obviously the, the muscles, you know, connect into the base of the, the skull, the hyaline bone. And so that's what opens your airway. So if your tongue's hanging down to the roof, to the floor of your mouth, you're not holding your airways as, as they're designed to. That is so simple, but so powerful in terms of the flown effect. Now, I know you've spoken with um, Metabolic Mike about mouth taping, and I know he had some photos taken down from social media because it might have looked like child abuse initially. But tell us more about your view on mouth taping and who it suits and how to go about it and why. Yes, I mean, basically, the basic principle is, is to try and get us back to um, your nasal breathing. And so what we kind of do is we get into a habit. So mouth breathing itself is a survival kind of mechanism. So when you know, people... It, if the idea of kind of taping your mouth and going to sleep makes you feel like you're going to suffocate, it's because you're not programmed. You should be able to breathe through your nose without a problem, you know, the whole night. And so we're actually programmed to think we need to go into that survival mode. And what happens is that, you know, when people, for instance, grind their teeth, it's actually their brain pushing their jaw forward to open their airways. So mm-hmm. people, if you grind your teeth and clench your jaws at night, it's likely an airway issue. And the problem is that you're probably not breathing right, but it could be structural as well. And there's lots of different, you know, there can be issues in the nose. Uh, but teeth grinding, you know, just having a splint there doesn't address the cause. It's actually usually a breathing issue. And so mouth taping, what it helps us do is, is obviously stop us from mouth breathing, but getting into a pattern of slow, deep breathing. So 
um, slower exhale to really kind of get that, uh, that parasympathetic nervous system um, working and then deep diaphragmatic breathing. So you should be breathing slower. And what that actually does is it, give, it increases the uh, carbon dioxide um, threshold in your, uh, in your alveoli and it actually helps hemoglobin to dump oxygen because if you don't have that carbon dioxide threshold, then you don't get that, um, uh, that oxygen transfer. And so actually having carbon dioxide tolerance, so feeling okay with, with that, um, th- th- those levels in your blood will actually deliver more oxygen. And so when you breathe shallow into your chest through your mouth, you're barely getting any oxygen because you're not um, letting this metabolic process happen. Mm, yeah, that is, again, a beautiful way to explain it. And it makes it so clear as to, you know, the clinical relevance, obviously. So fascinating. Is then this, the, the, I guess, the mechanism similar with that crooked te- teeth analogy because of the, the, um, the mouth's obviously not grown and the teeth are getting squashed as a result? Yeah, so what happens is that, is when we get a, a growth issue, um, so if, if, if a child, for instance, doesn't breathe through the nose, so say they've got a, um, say they've got a you know, blocked nose or they, uh, they've got a tongue tie, for instance, so they can't get their tongue to the roof of the mouth and their mouth hangs open, um, that's when you get a mouth breathing habit. And so mouth breathing will actually stump the jaw growth. So you won't get that nice wide cheekbone, wide um, kind of jawline because uh, you'll have that forward head posture, uh, you know, tongue to the root, to the floor of the mouth, and you, by definition, then you, your jaws won't grow. So we know mouth breathing increases our risk for malocclusion of crooked teeth, and the reason is, is that you don't get those expansion forces because uh, mouth breathing doesn't, you know, actually provide the, the right forces on the jaws to grow. So that's kind of the connection there. But there's also chewing as well. So chewing, um, actually, just like any other musculoskeletal joint in the body, uh, you know, builds strong jaws, joints and, t- and the TMJ. And, uh, and so when we don't chew enough, and so this goes back to breastfeeding as well, so those forces all begin then when the child's pushing the, the nipple up to the palate, expanding the maxilla, breathing through the nose. That's how we get those forces started. And that continues right throughout life. Every meal you take is growing your jaws. Yeah, so I can absolutely see the relevance for children and obviously why now we're seeing this prevalence of um, children needing braces. But with regards to adults, like what sort of influence can we have and maybe even give me some examples of, say, what reversals possible, even though obviously we're still not growing? Yeah, so just by changing our breathing habits, you can have significant changes. So, for instance, the best example is, so for instance, let's take sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is, by definition, when you, um, when you have obstructive um, apnea moments throughout the night, which is a 20-second gap in breathing. And so what they've, what, what's basically happening there is all the muscles in your face is flopping back and your airways are closing and you're getting that snoring sound as the pressure increases when you breathe. Now, what this shows that, so studies where they actually um, got people with sleep apnea to train on the Australian didgeridoo, uh, they actually decreased the severity of um, sleep apnea. And the reason is, is the didgeridoo helped to retrain the, uh, you know, the throat muscles, the pharynx, and, and help the, um, you know, to kind of have the upright posture and breathe into the diaphragm. 
And so just by having that tongue posture, that, that uh, cervical kind of musculature trained and, and so that you're breathing through the nose, just so you can do this yourself. So you, in, the, in my book, actually, we do breathing exercises before each meal because oxygen is the number one nutrient. And so you need to learn to breathe through your nose. You need to train, you need to train your tongue. You can do tongue exercises. So tongue exercises will actually strengthen your tongue and, and help you to keep those airways open, keep that nice straight cervical posture. And we know that it does have influence. Uh, it'll help you sleep enough because those muscles will uh, you know, uh, stay open um, instead of flopping back when we have those poor breathing habits through the day. Yeah, again, I love that. And quite, um, I guess, quite a lot of aesthetic benefits as well, like because obviously um, teeth grinding creates quite a pronounced jaw over time because of the really overdeveloped muscles. And, you know, I see that in myself. My jaw shape um, has changed. And I know that definitely comes from an underlying stress and teeth grinding. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that from a, yeah, I guess setting up the breathing patterns and, and changing that, that tongue use? Yeah, so it, this is a branch of uh, kind of functional dentistry called myofunctional uh, therapy or orofacial biology where we learn to use the, the facial muscles the right way. And so what ha- can happen with people is that they use the wrong muscle. So you can use the masseter at the front, the, the lower um, just below the lower lip there, or the the bucks the bucks native masseters, which are your chewing muscles, um, and you can be clenching the wrong muscles at, at the wrong time, and you can get this kind of growth. And as you say, some you'll notice it. But the other thing too is you got to remember is that so for people that don't hold their tongue properly, you can get when you'll actually your, your neck will actually age faster because you'll have that floppy skin around your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so so all of the the wrinkle lines that we get usually are from poor muscle um, uh, tone or using the wrong muscle. So actually, if you, if, if you learn to use your, you know, oral cavity right, you'll actually you know, prevent aging and wrinkles because your uh, musculature will be working properly. That's a free facelift. I love it. Free facelift, yeah. Absolutely. That's so cool. Really interesting. Um, natural facelift. <laughs> a natural facelift. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So that's great. So obviously um, your book, The Dental Diet, which we'll talk more about in a moment, has more relevance for those that are wondering, you know, exactly, you know, the, those finer details. Um, another area I was really interested in talking about um, that makes a lot of sense with regards to what you touched on about breathing and the parasympathetic nervous system, which we know is not only for rest but for digestion, what dental relevance um, do you see in digestive issues? Yeah, that, that is a great question because, like, the mouth really is such a great diagnostic tool for mm. any digestive problems. It's the perfect digestive. And, like, there will be signs. If you have digestive issues, there will be signs in your mouth that have been there well before you had those problems. And so one of the biggest signs is that those people that are teeth grinding um, and the, having that poor sleep and waking up tired and have the bags in their eyes and you know afternoon naps, they often have digestive issue problems, and they also have cold hands and feet. And what's happening is they're actually going to sleep. They're, they're grinding their teeth. They're, they're never reaching those deep levels of REM sleep, mm. and they actually this their autonomic nervous system is all out. So that's why they have the digestive problem. That's why they have cold hands and feet. That's why they're they're on anxiety medications because they're not breathing right. 
And so it's all connected. And so if you can just get them breathing right, and so they'll often grind their teeth as well. And you know, you know, there's 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 stress, and there can be other reasons for grinding, but this is so common in terms because people just don't understand that there's a there's connection to breathing. And so if we can just retrain that breathing, sometimes in adults we can even do expansion of the palate, or we can you know find out why they're not breathing through the nose. Um, you know, or retrain their tongue, and you know, there's ways to go about this. And just by consciously understanding that you know you should be breathing through your nose, and by getting more comfortable with that, um, you know, you can alleviate a lot of these problems. Yeah, I love that. I love it. The mouth is the perfect diagnostic tool for digestive problems. I'm going to quote you on that one. I might even borrow it. <laughs> Absolutely. Amazing. Cool. So, talk to us more about the food side of things. Obviously. You're a dentist, but you've got your training in biomed and and um, sports science. But where have you kind of moved in to in the food space in terms of like your philosophy? Obviously, I'd love to hear about that. And then certainly coming back to all the topics that we've been exploring today. Yeah. So food is you know best measured as you know how you, you eat for a whole body in the mouth, and so the main thing that uh, this is what Western A. Price showed, is that there's a set of nutrients that your jaws, teeth, and bones are hungry for, and that's the fat-soluble vitamins. Mm-hmm. So humans have, for you know, every single culture he went to, so he went to 14 cultures, he found that every single one ate diets rich in those three fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin D, and he actually wrote um, Activator X. So if you read the book now, it will say, AD and Activator X, and he actually died before he ever found out what Activator X was. And it was actually, it wasn't until 2007 we found out that it was uh, vitamin K2. So vitamin K2, you know, we, we don't get taught that in, um, that there's different types of vitamin K, and they actually do very different things. So they're very similar molecules, but vitamin K2 is a menaquinone. There's different types of vitamin K2, uh, menaquinone 4, which comes from animal products, and menaquinone 7 that comes from bacterial products. But these are crucial nutrients because vitamin D obviously helps your body to absorb calcium, but without A and K2, you don't use it properly. And so K2 actually activates proteins that picks up calcium out of your soft tissues and activates the other proteins that put it into bones and teeth. And these are fundamental to so many things throughout the body. Uh, you know, we're talking about, I mean, vitamin D, all of these nutrients, you know, from digestion to the immune system to metabolism to the brain. Um, K2 now is shown to be a powerful um, antioxidant on the brain. So, you know, when you eat for strong teeth, and, and the other thing too is that they actually activate an immune system inside your teeth, so you're immune to tooth decay. So when you have strong bones and teeth, you are, your body is working as it should. So that's why everyone should be thinking about how you eat for good dental health, and, and these nutrients are key. So we've kind of just talked about chewing and breathing. Is That's the first principle of what I call dental nutrition. The second is to make sure you're eating plenty of fat-soluble vitamins with the fat that your body absorbs them with. So that's organ meats, egg yolks, uh, you know, grass-fed butter, um, you know, well-sourced and prepared cheeses and fermented foods. That's where you get this AD and K2. And if you're not eating those foods, you're not getting them. By definition, I guarantee you, you're deficient in vitamin D and you're not eating enough K2 or A because if the, the foods aren't prepared right and if you haven't thought about it, you're not getting enough of them. Yeah, and that leads us to a really fascinating connection, I'm sure, that you would have seen with 
the prevalence of the low fat era that we had up until a couple of years ago, obviously decades and decades of low fat. So very low fat soluble vitamin uh, plates per se. And then obviously um, in our vegetarian and vegan friends, like what are your thoughts there and um, what, what have you seen? Yeah, well, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head, Steph. It's, the, you know, the low-fat diet here destroyed our jaws and teeth, and that's the reason why we've got such poor dental health, and it's just a flow-on to chronic disease later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so but once, you, once you strip fat out of the diet, once you start eating refined vegetable oils and high sugar, which we, we've done for decades, we're still doing now, um, and, and refined white flour, that's you're virtually getting no fat soluble vitamins from your diet. And when you do, if you don't have the right types of fats that goes into your digestive system, they don't get absorbed. So that's what your blood cholesterols are. Your blood cholesterol is like a little uh, postage system that delivers uh, your, the fat soluble factors around your body. And so if that's not fed right. So with cholesterol, with all the different types of fat, saturated being the main type of fat we need. So 50% Mary eating things, uh, should be from your fat intake should be saturated because it makes up you know all of these factors uh, in your cells and your immune system and, and the packaging system that delivers fat soluble vitamins and so vegetarians and vegans uh, vegetarians can get them from your know, eggs and dairy um, but vegans do need to supplement because you by definition you don't get uh, but the active form of vitamin A you will convert some beta carotene but you uh, there's for them, we don't know exactly how much we convert, but most people won't, um, uh, you know, get enough of the active form just from vegetables. Now, beta carotene is great, but you need to have the retinol as well. Uh, K1 is the same. So you get K1 from green vegetables. Mm-hmm. And so we'll only convert a certain amount. Uh, and so what happens with K1 and uh, K2 is that the menaquinone 7, which is the bacterial derived uh, K2 and the K1 is converted in the liver to the MK4, the mini, which is the animal derived K2. So the animal derived K2 is the one that the body seems to need the most. It goes straight out to the tissues when you eat it. And then the M, the, the menaquinone 7 kind of is more slowly absorbed and it gets converted into menaquinone 4 in the liver too. But, but this is what Price found is that cultures have, for generation after generation, eaten foods that are rich in AD and K2 and you have to eat the fats with them and they come in these packaged foods that you need to prepare carefully. So if you get, uh, you know, supermarket um, dairy from grain-fed cattle, you're going to get none anyway besides the fortification D, which is probably not uh, well-absorbed anyway. Or low-fat dairy, for instance, like low-fat milk, you're just getting nothing out of it because you're not going to absorb it. Um, And, you know, so we've just stripped these nutrients out of our diet and, and, you know, they are fundamental to our physiology. So vegans, for instance, just need to think about if you are vegan, I would recommend looking at supplementing and checking your levels and just knowing what, where you're at. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But a really good explanation of that connection. And I think a lot of people are quite resistant to supplements. And, you know, we're pretty strong in our view as to what vegans need. But this is a really great reference point to think about, all right, well, you know, obviously there's significant relevance of these fat-soluble vitamins. Um, minimal conversion of K1 to K2 and then that flow-on effect with um, the gut health and obviously absorption of the food that they're eating. It's quite a big picture to really highlight that um, obviously we always talk about food first, but there are instances where supplements are going to be very important. 
Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, everyone's different. And, you know, today we've kind of gone through a road where, you know, we, depending on how you grew up, you know, there's different kind of, um, if you have digestive issues, you know, some people will absorb better. You know, if you get more sunlight, there's different factors. And so it really is important to kind of individualize and understand your own body. But the core principles, you know, really, we really need to set them straight because this has been so confused. And this is why dental nutrition should, I think, be the way we shape nutrition because when you, your jaws and teeth are strong and healthy, everything else is healthy too. That's how your bodies are designed. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. So last little topic I wanted to find out more on before we learn about your book is our feelings. What do they manifest as or what underlying causes are we looking at there? Well, so dental feelings, I mean, are basically um, replacing tooth structure that's either gone from tooth decay or if you break a tooth. So athletes, for instance, that have had a head knock and kind of broken a tooth or cracked a tooth. And so feelings are, you know, basically a patchwork on your tooth. So, um, you know, back in the day we used to have amalgam, the, the, the black silver fillings that uh, a lot of people still have, uh, but now we use kind of composite resin, which is like a, um, a, a plastic substance that sets fire UV light. And basically what that's doing is patching over your tooth and it's replacing what you've lost. Um, I mean, so the, the dental fillings have their, their role because, you know, if you, if you do break your tooth or you do have to case. Sometimes you do need to fill it. The main thing I really try and go through with my patients is that let's find out and make sure that we're getting the body right. If there was tooth decay there, let's make sure because I guarantee anyone with tooth decay will be vitamin D deficient and, you know, we, we need to start. You're going to find, you know, kind of this nutrient deficient diet, you know, even if they're healthy, if they're, even if they're eating salads, you know, with kind of low-fat dressing and chicken breast, that's not going to be getting these nutrients around. And so, you know, we... It, it is a reframing and, you know, dental, dental fillings have their role but, and, you know, it's great we have that now mm. but, you know, getting to that and understanding that root causes is my main kind of charter. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, it comes back to the diet and obviously the, the additional strategies that we've explored. That's so interesting. I'm sure everyone's had quite a few light bulbs going off today. Mm. Tell us more about your recently released book and certainly where we can go to learn more. Yeah, so the dental diet is kind of this story that we've kind of talked about now, how our teeth and jaws you know, really tell us you know, how to eat and you know, we're in a pretty bad state now. And so I think reframing you know, how our mouth should grow is really important and there's nothing that's you know, what you see in your patients and what uh, you know, other healthcare practitioners and everyone has teeth. We need to understand the mouth as the beacon for the body that's a story that we go through, but we learn, you know, how to eat these nutritious foods, the microbiome, the mouth-gut access, uh, you know, epigenetics, uh, and then the foods that you, you know, the 40-day plan to kind of strip out the stuff that's causing disease and, you know, put you on a, uh, you know, a track for lifelong health. And so you can find me at um, drstevenlin.com, so D-R-S-T-E-V-E-N-L-I-N.com, and we kind of talk a lot about functional dental topics there, so all of the factors that are kind of um, this new movement of dentistry out there that is actually getting to the root cause instead of just kind of patching over the problems. And so on social media as well, at Dr. Stephen Lynn on Facebook and Instagram. So, so awesome. I look forward to reading more. And definitely I love the, the concept of the mouth-gut axis. That's so exciting. And 
I definitely encourage everyone listening today to head to the show notes to connect with uh, Stephen online and head to drstephenlin.com. It's been amazing to have you on the show. I've loved connecting with you. Thank you for being so passionate and leading us with all the knowledge that you have. Thanks, Steph. It was a pleasure. And, and thank you for all the, the work you're doing too because it's really important that, you know, that we're really getting this message out there and people need to know that you know, food can really change their life. Absolutely. It's an absolute pillar of health. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Steph. Talk soon. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.